This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Good morning, everybody. You give me, give me some words so I can find my words, yeah? Lots of, lots of uh, happy Mother's Day wishes up there. Um, hey, I'm Chris. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm Chris, Coach Chris. I don't know who I am. I'm Chris. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm a friend of Apex Church. I've been in and out hanging around here for a while now. Uh, and I'm grateful to be with you this day. Um, today, I just said, like, I'm getting some happy Mother's Day wishes today, some happy Grandmother's Day. My first day Hallmark holiday as a grandmother. How about that? Right? Uh, yeah, I know, right? Oh, he's the cutest. I didn't bring a picture again. What? I think I talked about him the last time I was up here, didn't I? Y'all are like, shut up. Okay, well, anyway, Jack's the best. Um, but here's the thing about it being Mother's Day, too. You know, that lands with us in different stages of our lives, in, uh, in different circumstances, in different ways. So I just want to say, reg- regardless of where you are in, uh, around the idea of a Mother's Day being happy, I'm glad you're here. You have chosen well to come and be in community, whether it's to celebrate or to sort, I don't know, and I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here with us today. Um, and I hope you'll find some, um, some edification for the journey, some, some encouragement along the way. We've been on this uh, journey for a couple of weeks now around the meaning of life. You know, all of us ask at least once in our lives, probably many times in our, in our lives, why am I here? What purpose does my life serve? Yeah, anybody? Er, who? Let's ask it this way. Who hasn't asked that question in your life? Oh, and silence fell above, a, a hush fell around among the, over the room. Yeah, because we all wonder why we're here and what purpose our life serves. Well, guess what? I've got good news. You were made that way. God made you and me to have that sense of wonder. Ecclesiastes 3.1 is a place that can inform us here. God has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, God has put a sense of past and future in their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. It's a mystery, and it remains a mystery till Christ comes in final victory and we all feast at the heavenly banquet, and we do have a purpose. God has designed us to yearn for a meaning, for meaning and purpose in our lives. We have all been made for a purpose. Week one, uh, Pastor Ellen took us on a journey to understand that Part of the reason why, why we ask that question is, is because in each of us, there's a God particle. In each of us, before we were formed in our mother's wombs, there's a God particle. There's something greater in each of us, informing us, encouraging us, uh, building in us a yearning to ask why, why we are here, what is our purpose. Pastor Ellen grounded um, her teaching in one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 139, that talks about how God fearfully and wonderfully made us, each of us, knitted us together in our mother's womb. Then last week, Pastor Tim talked to us about uh, that in, in this conversation around the meaning of life, our purpose, the why we are here, we've got to remember this, life is short. Life on earth is short. We are only here for a minute if you don't believe, I mean, like, if, if, if I wasn't convinced before when I got a grandson, I'm even more convinced. And I'm sure my folks, the great-grandparents, are even more convinced. 
that life is short. It's temporal. And so what, my, what I took away from what Pastor Tim said last week, you could have taken away lots of things. What I understood him to say was, since life is temporal, we need to stay present. We need to pay attention to what's happening right in front of us. Sometimes we get lost in that because we know that, uh, we also know that life is a journey, and so we're wondering where it's going to take us, and we lose sight of where we are right now. And so, Pastor Tim, uh, that, that was a word of challenge for me, to pay attention to that which is right in front of us. He used several verses, but one that stuck out to me was Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's troubles is enough for today. Now before, like that, that verse at first sounds so depressing. Like trouble, trouble, trouble. I think there's an old song, trouble, trouble, trouble. I don't, I don't remember the tune, obviously, <laughs> right? And trouble, trouble, trouble. It's so depressing. But here's what the truth behind that, those words, is that that's right. So stay present to today. Don't worry about what's going to come, what might come, what's possible out there. Focus on today. And then there's our journey today, which is just that. A reminder that the meaning in, in discovering the meaning of life, that it's, it's all about the journey. It's all about journey. And so here's where I want to start. Uh, take a look at this picture. What is that? A corn maze. Has anybody ever entered, braved, Lord, anybody braved the corn maze? Okay, okay, well, great. So, you, yeah, Lori told me earlier. What was your experience of the corn maze? How'd you like it? No? You didn't like it? Are you, no. Any, yeah? Wh wh Lori, what happened to your family when you went in the corn maze? Lost, did you hear Lori? Lost in the corn maze. They were in it for hours, right? My, my memory of, first my memory of corn, cornfields, is this. Well, when I was about eight years old, we lived outside of Chicago, and our, our home was across the cornfield from a school, and we used to go play in the schoolyard. And when my dad would get home from work, he would whistle. I won't do it. It will really blow your ears out. I can. I worked really hard to whistle like my dad. And uh, he would whistle, and we'd come running home. We came running home one day, running across the field, proud, you know, eight-year-old, coming home. And I look down, and there is a huge... <laughs> there he is! <laughs> That's my dad. That's my real dad whistling. How about that? Thanks, Dad. Uh, then um, I was running across the field, coming home, and I looked down, and there was a huge spider. You know, spiders love cornfields. There's lots for them to attach to out there. Oh my God, I don't like cornfields. I do like mazes, though. When I see a maze, I'm reminded it brings back some childhood memories. From I don't know if it was school and church or both, but it seems like for every holiday, there were, I would, we would be handed a piece of paper with a maze in the shape of the holiday picture of the season, an angel uh, for Christmas, a cornucopia for Thanksgiving, a heart for Valentine's Day, and, you know, it kept us, was supposed to keep us busy, right? You remember those? Do you got, anybody else have that experience? Yeah. So one of the things that I notice about mazes, I kind of liked it, I like to solve problems, but in mazes, there's, there's so many dead ends, as Lori's family learned, like they went in this corn maze and got stuck. There was, it was hard to discover a way out. Um, here's, I got, I have a, I have a Jeopardy word for you. 
when the guy loses finally and you audition and Alex Trebek says um, a, a shape that has choice of direction with dead ends you could say what is a maze you could also say what is a multicursal object multicursal means lots of choices many ways in and out including dead ends right there's a maze hold that thought take a look at this picture now let me orient you we're in the top of the cathedral in france and we're looking down we are looking at a a labyrinth that's right how many of you um walked the labyrinth when it was at the peak during lent you know the peak some of y'all may not know what that means but you know this church is a part of a family of churches and one of those churches is actually right down the street that'll let anybody walk the labyrinth at the peak for lent yay that's because the staff had to right no <laughs> i'm teasing becky i'm picking on becky that wasn't nice was it she's just trying to worship the lord here and there you go all right there was a labyrinth at the peak for lent oh we actually have a picture of that labyrinth okay here's what i want you to notice about the labyrinth unlike the maze with a labyrinth, there's only one way in and one way out. It is a circuitous route, trust me. Lots of right turns and lots of left turns, all leading to the center. The center is the symbol for nearness to God. You'll notice that there are some little um, clover leaf kind of things in the center. Those are meant for people to sit and be present with God for a while and then travel the circuitous route back out. The symbolism in the labyrinth is to move in toward God and move out toward the world. Some people, sometimes when you walk the labyrinth, you might even, on your way in, confess and repent and discard and rid. And on the way out, you might pick up and go and be ready to face the world. The jeopardy word, instead of multicursal, guess what a labyrinth is? Somebody's following me unicursal one uni one right one way in and one way out the labyrinth is in my summation a really representative of the 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 path of faith that we are on being led by someone who's greater than us living our life is short here on earth the labyrinth reminds us that the journey is both listen to me both meandering and purposeful the journey of faith involves a destination we're headed for and a direction we take to get there the labyrinth is our reminder now i've got to admit this thinking of faith as a journey through the lens of maze and labyrinth are not my original thoughts i have processed them quite a bit and they've been informed by a modern theologian named rachel held evans uh, who is at 37 years old, no longer with us as of a week ago. Um, she, she had an infection due to illness and, and died as a result and is no longer with us. And her death, her writing is just profound. If you haven't read her, get her books and read them. She can't speak new words to us anymore. What God had for the earth through her has already been written. And her death has... Uh, caused those of us who 
hear from God through her to lean into her words more deeply over the last 10 days or so. This is what she says in her book, Searching for Sunday, about journey and faith. The difference between labyrinth and a maze is that a labyrinth has no dead ends. The famed 11th Circuit labyrinth inlaid in the floor of Chartres Cathedral in France, that's the one we were looking down on, quite literally a picture of that one, has just one path, which takes the pilgrim in and out of four quadrants in a spiraling motion through dozens of left and right turns before reaching its rosette center. Such a pattern invites meditation and reminds the pilgrim the journey of faith is rarely a straightforward one. It has become cliche to talk about faith as journey, and yet the metaphor holds. Scripture doesn't speak of people who found God. Scripture speaks of people who walked with God. This is a keep moving, one foot in front of the other. Who knows what's next deal, and you never actually arrive. I don't know if the path's all drawn out ahead of time, or if it corkscrews with each step like Alice's Wonderland, or if, as some like to say, we make the road by walking. But I believe the journey is more labyrinth than maze. No step taken in faith is wasted, not by a God who makes all things new. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. See, the maze might become a symbol of the lies the world tells us, that when something doesn't go our way in life, we've hit a dead end. No, I call bologna sandwich. No, it's not a dead end. It's a turn. It's a twist. It's a part of the meandering. It's a the part of the ebb and flow of believing and seeing and believing and not seeing and back and forth and round and round we go until we reach the center and then we go out and then we come back in. All kinds of circumstances cause us to go out and come in. So where are, by now you might be asking, where are the details for this path we are on as God particle people living life is short? Well, in this love story right here, yep, God's love story to us. This isn't a book about moral codes. This isn't a book about um, Roman rule. This is a book about God's love. God's love for God's people. God sets us on a path and loves us so much that God won't leave us there wondering what that path might look like, wondering where to go. If we can't find purpose in the answer to our why, we're not, we may not be asking the right one. Friends, oh, well, let me stick to the scripture for a minute. Here we go. Listen to chapter 12 in the book of Romans. The first few verses read like this. Oh, by the way, you're going to have... Um, NRSV up there. It's one translation. I'm reading from the NIV. I'm going to trust that God, where the words are different, the Spirit will speak. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and I would add sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse, uh, the rest of verse 2, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Okay, so pause right there. We're talking about that in the meaning of life, we need to understand that it's a journey. It's a journey to a particular destination. These two verses tell us about that destination. Where each of us are headed is perfection. You're like, oh, I call bologna sandwich on that one, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's what the word says. God, through God's spirit, is making us perfect because of who God is, because of who God is in particular for our branch of the Christian family tree, because of who Jesus is, we are being made perfect. That is the destination. These first two verses describe the destination of our journey. We are headed toward perfection. And we'll get there because one day Christ will return and we will all feast at his heavenly banquet. Right? Are you with me? So that's the destination. Now, how do you get there? That's great, Chris. We're going to go to Disney World, but how are we going to get there? Well, unfortunately, I just chose a bad illustration because there's only one way to get to Disney World, and that's down I-95, and I'm sorry. <laughs> there's more to it than, than reach. There's more, to one, there's more than one way to head toward perfection in the direction of perfection. The, the, our, our cues, our Our uh, direction is found in verses 9 in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. This is the direction. These are the steps we take to head toward the destination of perfection. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, if possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, for you, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give them food. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the journey. The journey is both destination toward perfection. In our tradition, we call that the doctrine of perfection. In fact, you may not know this, but uh, when, uh, when you receive an ordained clergy as a leader... We have, had, we have taken vows, we have made oaths to uh, those very, uh, to the doctrine of perfection. In fact, we, uh, we are answered. We have to answer affirmatively to be ordained in the United Methodist Church. Are you going on to perfection? Do you believe that perfection is achievable? Are you striving for perfection? So that's where we're headed. How do we get there? You're good listeners. How do we get there? Live holy and living, live a life whole, as a holy and living sacrifice. Be pleasing to God. Be sincere. 
cling to what is good, be devoted, honor one another, express spiritual fervor, uh, be faithful in prayer, be sharing, be hospitable. You know how to live a life on purpose? You know how to live into your why? Be loving, be kind, be generous. And you'll be heading toward the direction of perfection in God. The, that's where the twists and turns take us. These words from Romans, again, are not just a... I get a little frustrated because so many times we use verses like these found in Romans to throw at people, to put people on the sides of right and wrong, of good and bad. Listen, that's not what these words are for. Think about it from God's perspective. God says, I'm going to put a God particle in them so that they're always yearning back toward me. I'm going to give them a life on earth to live to my glory and this is how I want them to live. Hey, you. Hey, y'all. There's no secret. Stop waiting. Stop wondering why you're here. You're here to make, to be living expressions of my love and my grace and my forgiveness and my mercy, my goodness. These words from Romans 12 provide an image to inform our action. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, my time is spent most now um, vocationally as a coach. Um, I coach mostly pastors at this point, some business people. And what I find, uh, the space I sit in most often when I coach, someone is in a conversation with me and they're stuck. They're stuck in thinking that whatever the problem is, that it's either, the answer is either one thing or another. Either I quit my job or I keep my job. Either I uh, can be in relationship with him or I can't. Either or, either or. Um, what, we are, what I've been trained in is to practice um, what's called, what social scientists call the anticipatory principle, which is to help people shape an imagination for other possibilities. It's not either keep the job or quit the job. There's a, there are a million other possibilities between those two either ors. I can keep my job and need certain things to be true. I might leave my job and need certain things to be true. So the anticipatory principle says this, that images inspire action. You might think of it like this. Uh, maybe, okay, I'll use a personal example. So when I was younger, I um, really wanted to grow up to be like Diana Ross. I know it's hard to believe. I'm like, I don't think... That's my sister laughing. Thank you. Aren't, aren't you glad they came today? <laughs> I've never worn a gown, a ball gown like that. Well, maybe, maybe three times, debut dances and a wedding. But, you know, that's not my thing. But I always thought I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to sing and I wanted to make people laugh and cry and all that. And so the anticipatory principle is you get an image in your head of what you want to be, and that helps inform what you do along the way. Well, if I really had wanted to be like Diana Ross, don't you think I would have taken some voice lessons? Please, don't try to sing in here again. Um, and don't you think I would have gone to poise school so I could, you know, walk on those high heels or whatever? Right, so the anticipatory principle says we have an image that helps inform our actions. A philosopher says it this way, if we can imagine what a perfect life would be, we have to imagine it, open our minds past the either or, we can begin to imagine what the trajectory, what the direction, what the steps are we should take, trajectory of our lives might be toward that goal. 
You have to know what the destination looks like that you're shooting for and take some steps in that direction. So, and for us, again, Romans 12 is one of those places that gives us an image to shoot for, something that we can imagine, because surely you've had someone in your life who's demonstrated a life pleasing to God. Surely you've had someone in your life demonstrate to you what sincerity looks like, what love looks like, what honor looks like, what prayer looks like. And so uh, our way, our, our uh, image, the image of the journey of faith is one of those places we can look is in Romans chapter 12. And here's some magic behind the mystery of God. Take a look at this picture. Now it says husband and wife. Don't close your mind if you're not a husband and a wife. You could put um, mother-daughter, father-son, father-daughter, friend-friend. Notice that when the wife heads toward God, what happens in her relationship with her husband? If she's going up this way, are you, are you following me? Up toward God, she's getting closer and closer in her relationship to her husband. He's getting closer and closer in relationship to his wife. So the more we stay on the path that God has designed for us toward God's in the direction of perfection, toward the destination of perfection, through the direction of love and faithfulness and prayer, focus on God. Not only do we draw close to God, but look, we draw closer to one another. Do you see that? Hey, maybe that's what's missing in some of our relationships. Are you following me? You gotta look up first. Oh, way back in our marriage, I didn't say this in the earlier service, way back in our, uh, uh, early on in our marriage, my husband's here too, by the way, and we've told this story publicly before, so don't freak out. Uh, we, we were at lunch one day, and we said, you know what, this is not going well. Today, we either go to the attorney or the preacher. Literally, I remember where we were, a restaurant in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, cause called Just What the Doctor Ordered. The attorney or the preacher? Well, our preacher at the time took a two-hour lunch every day. That was his Sabbath. He went home, he ate with his wife, he read books, and he rested. There's no way he was going to be there. We said, all right, well, let's just try the preacher. I don't know if we were hoping he wasn't there or hoping he was there. He just said one thing. He said, let me ask you one thing. How, and, and I don't want you to talk when the other one's talking. How is your, Chris, how is your life pointing to God? Tom, how is your life pointing to God? Oh, we found it lacking, of course. He said, imagine if you did, and he drew the triangle. Imagine what would happen if you both focused on God. You would be drawing closer to one another. This is by design from the maker, the one who made us and put us on this path. Another way, another image that I use to help people uh, open their imaginations to the possibilities, I call it the continuum. It looks like this. For any topic, you can do this when you think they're only two choices, when you're trying to balance two good things even. Um, put one extreme, a word to describe one extreme on one side and one on the other. So here today, we're talking about our journey of faith. It's a balancing act between uh, focusing on the destination, that's the doctrine of perfection, that's perfection, and the direction, the steps we take to get there. By the way, that's called the doctrine of sanctification, the journey. 
And so, so this life of faith, this path we're on, this purpose we're made for is both, listen to me, destination and direction. There are times we need to get our heads up out of the mud and be reminded that it's all about that. And there are times, and there are times we need to look down here because we might be close to the edge of the stage. I bet my husband's cringed more than one time when I got close to the edge. Like, we need to sometimes, it's like, Chris, look down. Look, look here. And then sometimes I'm going to say, get your head out of the mud, look here. The journey of faith is both of those being reminded that in us is a particle of God that we get a little bit of time on this earth to live into that, and that it's about heading toward perfection in a particular way we get there, through loving, again, from Romans chapter 12. Journey is both direction and destination. Journey requires balance. Some days, we got to look out here. Sometimes we got to think about retirement and funding for retirement. Sometimes we just have to wake up and get to work. Go to work today. Just, just try it. Just like, like get up and go. This is the purpose for which we have been made, you guys. You may be a school teacher. You may be a chemical engineer. You may be a retired banker. You may be a student. You may be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. And your primary purpose is to be, in, be perfected in love of God and one another. That's what we've been made for. This is our why. This is the purpose for our existence. I was thinking about this whole balance of direction and destination, and I think sometimes I focus too much on the destination, which leaves me missing out on the beautiful view along the way. Anybody ever get, you ever get to where you're going and wonder how you got there? Anybody with me on that? <laughs> no, you're ready to go to lunch now? Well, we've got a few more minutes. I'm looking at the clock. Yeah? And then there are other times, not in my life, I, I have to, to be focused on the direction I need other people in my life. Because um, sometimes when I'm focused on what's right down here in front of me, it's like reading in the car and I am going to barf. It's going to make me sick. The steps are too quick. Or maybe sometimes the steps are too slow. Uh, I, can, I can feel the curves and bumps way um, more. I can feel them more strongly down here than out there. Yeah? And so I need, I need other people to help me sometimes. Come on, come on down. <laughs> Get down here. We need to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to practice that today. My, my family's here to help me practice that. So we're going to have a big lunch today at my house. I'm coming back at 5 to preach. Guess what I get to practice at, at, from 12.30 until 4.30? Direction. Presence right here in front of me. Yeah? Are you with me? Yeah, I hope you're thinking about things in your life. Okay, so let's do it this way. The meaning of life is, is to move toward perfection. Jesus is the measure of that perfection. While we may never fully add up this side of eternity, hashtag life is short, our belief is that we have been given everything we need to be perfect in love, as John Wesley would say. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. To live this way takes effort on our part. We've got to balance direction and destination. We've got to balance the journey. Being transformed doesn't happen passively. We have to actively fight evil. 
We have to actively be faithful, be fervent in our, in, be, uh, express spiritual fervor, all those things in Romans chapter 12. And traveling the path of being perfected in love also happens best in community. That's why I said this is the best place for you today. This is the best place for us today to practice being perfected. Now, in coaching, we try to break change and challenge down into bite-sized pieces. So these are the questions that I think could help inform the image to, that will um, affect our actions into bite-sized pieces. Start here. How are you already loving like Jesus? I know you are. I know you are. Maybe you wouldn't name it that way. How are you? I know you are. How are you already loving like Jesus? Secondly, how might God, how might the Spirit be inviting you to love more like Jesus? Maybe you've sensed an urge recently to, to step out in a volunteer role or step out in your giving of yourself. Hey, maybe this is a shameless plug. It might sound like a shame, shameless plug. Maybe you are one of the 130 additional people needed for Vacation Bible School this summer so that kids might hear about the destination and direction of their lives right how is God inviting you to more uh, and finally what one thing listen break it down what one thing can you do today what one thing can you do today can you begin today to love more like Jesus don't make it more complicated than that don't get all crazy or I'll have to call security you know just one thing one thing you can do to love more like Jesus. Friends, as we continue this path together as community, I invite you to receive this blessing for the journey.